On this edition of Geopolitics and Empire, we interviewed Todd Weaver, who is the founder of Purism, a company that produces computing devices that focus on software freedom, computer security, civil liberties, and internet privacy. We'll be looking at the work Purism is doing, which is working to protect privacy in the age of surveillance capitalism. And thanks for coming out to the podcast, Mr. Weaver. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Now, I've been following Purism for a long time, and I admire what you're doing. Uh, I had been thinking for the longest time to uh, make a purchase, and perhaps next year I will. Uh, I had a bad experience with the Silent Circle Black Phone. I, I had purchased their first, uh, their first edition, which they had stopped uh, supporting, and now they are on their second. And I, I haven't been following them as closely. Um, but Purism creates devices such as laptops, desktops, cell phones, which are made to ensure the maximum level of privacy technically possible for users. And before we talk about the actual hardware, could you tell us about why it was necessary for you to create such pro uh, products? Because it seems we're living in an increasingly Orwellian world with echoes of dystopia. We see the things that are going on in countries like China um, with the Snowden revelations. We see what's happening in the US. We're facing corporate uh, government spying, the unauthorized sale of our personal data. So what are the key threats to our privacies that led to the need to create purism? Well, uh, you highlighted an awful lot of topics there. Um, and actually, a big piece for me was um, having two young daughters and seeing that the future with technology and the future that they would be participating in. And looking at it from a digital rights activist standpoint to say, these are civil liberties, these are human rights that we should be, uh, uh, you know, that we should have in the digital world. And so, uh, in looking at what choices we would be having and what choices I'd be able to make as a parent for my children, it also was a different mentality than, you know, what you as an individual are willing to give up or accept as your human rights. Uh, when you're a parent, of course, you're choosing to say, hey, what, you know, what choices would I like to see for my children? And in that case, uh, it became very clear to me that we're actually choosing convenience uh, and giving up control. And one of the areas that I looked at was saying, you know what, I know how to do hardware. I know how to do software. I know I'm a huge digital rights activist. So I can combine all of those three things into uh, products that respect society rather than exploit them by making them convenient. And so we, uh, so the, the catalyst for Purism was really the, the culmination of all of those pieces. Uh, and then I also knew from the business model that uh, I could start with laptops. So creating the hardware side, meaning secure the entire hardware supply chain and also the privacy aspects of the hardware supply chain from laptops and then create the operating system that allowed for that same philosophy to be carried forward. And then the last bit, of course, is uh, services, which is something we're going to be launching next year, which are basically ethical services that avoid big tech. So the combination of hardware, software, and services is the winning combination to make a product that's convenient. And convenience is the number one way to have mass adoption of products that are ethical for society. And before we talk more about those, uh, I think you call them the Liberty Services and, and, and yeah, the products that Purism offers, could you expand a bit about, uh, I'm not sure if you coined the phrase uh, surveillance capitalism, but uh, a little bit more about what are some of the privacy issues that we face by 
Silicon Valley, big tech, uh, as well as this surveillance capitalism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, surveillance capitalism, not a coin, not a term that I coined. However, uh, I certainly utilize it uh, because it does highlight the uh, issues with a lot of big tech. Um, now, big tech is the overall bigger term uh, because it, need, it needs to incorporate uh, Apple and uh, and uh, Microsoft and a few others that you know dabble in surveillance capitalism, but it's not entirely their business model. So the the issues around um, big tech in general is that they advance technologies with the intention of controlling society. And what I mean by controlling them is you know in ways in which it can be your data or it can be holding the encryption keys. And what I like to do is use it as an analogy uh, to uh, things in the physical world, because people can relate to things in the physical world. Uh, In the digital world, it's harder for people to grasp the concepts because it's sort of like, oh, it's this other thing that I go into, whereas uh, they should be treated as the same, right? Digital rights should also be just human rights. And these, so in the physical world, if you look at um, the exploitation uh, of history and we apply those same things to the digital world, such as uh, if you own your home, then you can own the keys to your home, which means you can have uh, rights around that property. In the digital world, especially with the uh, smartphones, that you don't own those devices. You rent them from Google or from Apple. And Google or Apple owns the keys to that device, which means that you, as a human using those devices, you can't, uh, you can never truly control it and own it. Uh, and instead, those corporations do, which comes from, you know, where if, if a government decides to, uh, ask for the keys to the device, they'll actually go to Apple or Google to get them. So in that case, you're renting a hotel room as opposed to owning your home. And that control is something that as society, when we start to look at these things, it's, it's you need to care about the your human rights in the digital world. And a big piece of that is privacy uh, and privacy protection. And when you say that we need to care about our digital human rights, how do you respond to people who say, I have nothing to hide? And- well, utilizing that same analogy. So I have nothing to hide is a great marketing term from big tech, right? Because what they're doing is they're putting you on the defensive. And instead, you need to look at that and say, well, what do you have that you'd like to protect? Right. And so by using that same analogy to the home would be if big tech were to say, well, we should uh, be able to come on your property at any point in time and inspect everything within your house at any time we'd like. And of course, as a, you know, society, we would, we would be up in arms. So let me give you another analogy that carries that same uh, weight is that if somebody were to come to your uh, home and you, and were to put a camera on your bedroom window and a microphone that's recording everything that's going on, you would call the authorities and say there's trespassing. Someone has put up a camera and is recording everything they're doing. The authorities would come out to your location and they would then uh, start an investigation. A case would be opened, right? Uh, Laws would be broken. People could go to jail. In the digital world, all of that happens all the time and nobody isn't up in arms about it because it's saying, hey, you have nothing to hide. But if you put it in the same context, you realize that actually, you know what? 
I might not say that I have anything to hide, which is probably true. However, I do want to protect my privacy. I don't want cameras in my bedroom and recording everything I'm doing because that's an invasion of my privacy and my human rights. So we need to establish that it's the same thing in the digital world because it is. And talking about this balance between comfort and security, uh, you know, I was telling one of my uh, coworkers today that I was uh, I was telling them about purism and, and liberum, and and they took a look at it, and they they were saying they're really comfortable with their Apple or Microsoft product or uh, or whatnot, and it's really this balance between comfort and security, where most people choose comfort over a cumbersome security protocol. And so how do you get people, more people to pay attention to uh, the security aspect and be willing to take a few extra step, steps to protect their privacy? Yep. So the history of digital rights has been a story of give up some convenience to respect your rights. And that's fine for activists. It's not fine for society. And what purism is doing is making sure that the products are as convenient or even in some cases more convenient than the proprietary rights stripping alternatives. So what we're doing is when you look at a laptop, uh, it's seen as more, you think about it more like a purchasing a car is that there's just different brands, but it allows you to, uh, you know, different brands of, you know, so it's not a different process of learning something new. Uh, what you're doing is you're just, you know, maybe learning the few things that are different, But what purism does is takes away all of the surveillance capitalism. It takes away all of the tracking and makes the device secure by default. So you can just open up the laptop and begin using it knowing that you're completely protected. So the convenience is the way that we actually solve the problem. So when somebody's looking at, oh, here's a laptop uh, versus, let's say, an Apple or a Dell or HP, What they're looking at is to say, this one just respects me, but it allows me to participate in digital society the same way I would normally. And that convenience is the, is the piece that makes it when, why, we're, why we're growing so rapidly is because people realize they can just purchase our products and just simply use them knowing that they're protected. And then that, of course, carries over to our upcoming phone, which means that uh, the phone market's different than laptops. The phone market is a duopoly of Apple and Google. Laptops, you can get a bunch of different laptop choices and even install a bunch of different operating systems if you went through the uh, process of doing so. We bundle it up into a convenient project uh, product, and same with the phone. Is then the phone, when you look at that of an Apple uh, phone or an Android phone or the Purism Librem phone, then you will look at that and see, well, this one here respects me. The Purism device respects my rights, so I would like to back that product. And then we can actually change society for the better by actually creating convenient products. And I would suppose one of the most important things when talking about protecting one's personal uh, privacy uh, and digital human rights uh, is the aspect of trust. And so you, I might use the v a VPN as an example. Um, no one can know when you choose a VPN company, you won't know for certain um, whether or not that company is lo are, are, are logging your internet use, you just have to kind of trust them. And, you know, that was one of the things with Silent Circle when I bought their black phone uh, that I trusted them and I still view them as a trustful company. Um, and I, I 
would think I, I like uh, see what you're doing and I trust purism as well. And especially because you, you go to this extra length, you call yourself a social purpose uh, corporation. Um, first and foremost, could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So I'm going to touch on the two topics you brought up. The first is trust. So uh, trust is something that um, a lot of companies do through marketing. The aspect of trust, the most important piece is the verification aspect. So what purism does, which goes above and beyond any just sort of trust us, which of course we can say, but we say verify our claims. And the verification piece is really, really important because the verification proves your uh, your trustworthiness. So when uh, if we look at uh, as you're you know bring up the examples of Silent Circle or or Apple or any other company who says you know hey we're secure or you should trust us any of those claims should be able to be verified. So to put that in the context of let's say uh, food regulation, then what we get is we get a pretty simple process where imagine a farmer who says we don't put any pesticides in our food, right, in, in the soil or in the, you know, when, when we're growing our crop, that uh, somebody would say, okay, that's fine. But in the U.S., we have what's called USDA organic, which actually has a certification process to verify that the soil has, been, has not had pesticides for two years. And then it gains the stamp of approval to say it hasn't been uh, tampered with. So that verification makes it where you can trust that when something says USDA organic in the US, that it means uh, it reaches a certain threshold. And if you trust that brand or that stamp, then you can trust that the system is in place. In the tech space, uh, the majority of big tech, they simply say, trust us. And there's actually no way to verify it. So with Purism, what we do is we release all the source code. It's actually verified by third parties. It's a process called reproducible builds. And then we also release the uh, hardware designs, uh, the schematics for like our Librem 5 phone as an example. So the actual schematic can be confirmed against the ending products. And then the other thing that we do is we don't include any mystery code. So that means that everything that we put out can be verified. So all of our claims can actually be verified and have been. So when we make a statement about something, it carries with it significant more weight than just a marketing term. And this gets rooted in looking at solving the systemic issues of big tech corporations. So the reason Purism formed as a social purpose corporation, which is the second part of your question, we formed as a social purpose corporation because there's a systemic problem of C corporations in tech. Because there are no rules nor regulations for those corporations, so they exploit humanity for their profit. And they're allowed to do that because there's no rules or regulations stopping them from doing that. And they have to maximize their shareholder value. So I knew that that was a systemic issue, and we had to solve that. So what we incorporated is what's called a social purpose corporation, which actually carries with it significant legal weight. What it means is that we have to advance our social purpose first before maximizing profit. So when we make a decision at every single level of every single day and every line of code is a moral decision for us, we look at it and we say, we have to advance the social purpose for society in the tech space before we do anything else, which is discussing price uh, or discussing cost 
discussing how we're looking to take something to market. And that systemic change means that every decision we make for society and every product we put out, you know, is going to be respecting you and cannot ever flip to exploit you because we have solved the systemic issue by being a social purpose corporation. So it is actually so significant and, and uh, it, it, uh, it needs to be highlighted as such. And could you talk about the level of uh, control and uh, user control and freedom uh, that we would have with the Librem device in terms of hardware and software? From what I understand, you guys have sourced and had manufactured uh, all of the hardware components uh, yourselves. And I'm not sure uh, if I'm up to speed that you had some issues with the Intel management uh, engine. I'm not quite the computer expert or nerd, but could you tell us about how much freedom uh, people have with your devices? Yeah, so in the game of uh, security or freedom or privacy, it's a game of depth. And so what that is, is, you know, somebody could use, let's say, a browser, and within their browser, they may install a, a third-party ad blocker, right? So that's that's at the very top level, right? Web browsing solutions. Uh, but the, the game of security and freedom is you just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. So you can imagine it's like, you know, okay, the, the browser side, and then you go lower to the operating system, and then you go to the kernel, and then you go to the bootloader, and then you finally get to the firmware that drives things, and then you get to the hardware, which means you can also get all the way to the schematic level. So across that whole stack, what Purism is doing is looking to liberate the entire process, which means put control into the hands of the individual. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do anything more, right? Because you as an individual, you get the, you get the laptop and you open it up and you just, you just participate in digital society how you normally would. But on our devices, we've liberated the entire process, which means that we have no control and we don't have any keys that are locking you into any uh, one specific platform. And that, that controlling of the keys is really important. Because in the existing uh, Google or Apple world or Microsoft world, if you, uh, you know, get a device that runs Windows, then in, th in those three companies, they all control the keys to sign the software that runs on the device, which means they have control over the individual using them. So this, this manifests itself in software updates or forced upgrades of software that then can do things you didn't want to, such as invading your privacy, which is a very common thing when you are a forced upgrade to a piece of software signed by Microsoft that has new terms of service that you have to agree to to even utilize the device. So you don't read them and you just agree to them blindly. All of those things are exploiting your digital rights and that's the change that we need to have. So what we do is we solve the entire stack from schematics to hardware sourcing, to chips, to drivers, to firmware, on up the entire stack and making sure that all the software installed is designed to respect those individuals. Now you did bring up the Intel management engine, which is an area that's very deep down in the, in the bowels of how a computer actually operates. But Purism has disabled and neutralized that threat to where it's non-existent on our devices. So the threat of the Intel management engine, which means it's an out of band or an external remote way to access computers, we've removed. So the majority of computers have this uh, 
hidden back door, but on our devices, we've removed that. So that's one example of removing uh, the those threats that uh, could uh, exploit uh, an individual user of a, of a device. And so what we do is we bundle all that together into one device that simply allows it really, really conveniently to participate in digital society. And that's the same goal we have with the phone uh, and, uh, and other services we're launching. And do you think you could potentially face any uh, resistance in the future from perhaps either the tech giants or even the government itself? Well, so what's interesting is, uh, so certainly from tech giants, but the the area is going to be, they're going to market like heavy, right? So we, we already see this, right? So they'll, the, uh, even Facebook will say, we protect your privacy, which of course is a laughable joke. But uh, the big tech companies will be marketing heavy that we use security or we protect your privacy or we respect what you're doing or we don't use third-party trackers, or right? But those are all uh, marketing terms uh, and they don't actually solve the systemic issue uh, and not even scratch the surface. It's, it's, uh, so we, are, we will face a huge marketing budget from big tech, but they won't actually ever look to solve the problem, which is releasing the source code uh, under ethical uh, free software licenses, uh, being able to actually release the schematics of, of hardware designs, being able to default install and protect society as opposed to exploit them and their data. Those are things that are business model shifts from big tech, and they're not going to be doing that anytime soon. The second topic you brought up was from governments, but what's actually interesting about all governments is that there's two arms of them. There's the one who who's wanting to say, let's hey, let's look to maybe do we put backdoors in cryptography, right? As we've seen from Australia, uh, or do we, um, you know, how do we end up uh, fighting? the, uh, you know, what would be uh, terrorists or criminals who are using devices, right? And they want to weaken cryptography or, or look at other means. But then there's the left hand of the government, which would be saying, hey, let's look at, we want to protect ourselves, right? We want devices that are going to be secured. We don't want to have, uh, you know, other governments breaking into our devices, which is a much, much, much bigger threat. And they all love what we're doing because we're advancing security so that it's, they control the keys, and they are completely protected. So in the case of, um, of governments, we don't have governments who are disliking what we're doing because in the end, we're protecting society. And, uh, and that's a, a good thing because it also allows those uh, businesses or governments to protect themselves. And that's a much more important line item on their uh, agendas than it is to uh, try and weaken encryption or or put back doors into into things. And so let's talk about the future of purism. I believe in, in April, May, in the spring, the Librem phone is finally coming out. Uh, and then I've been reading that you you guys have a projection into the future. You've got this plan for uh, these Liberty services. You've just partnered with the Monero cryptocurrency, uh, I believe. And so could you talk about uh, the phone and, and a bit of your future vision? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. So we have in the, the phone market's a complete disaster for society. It's a duopoly from Apple and Google. And so there's... Uh, what we need is a, uh, an alternative. And Purism led the charge here by saying, we run a crowdfunding campaign that we want to create a phone that's not Android or iOS, that runs a completely liberated and free software stack uh, and uh, utilizes ethical 
and free services that respect society. So we have to get away from the duopoly. So the, and that spawned the Librem 5 campaign. So the Librem 5 is a five inch uh, smartphone that is going to run our own operating system called PureOS. It's the same one we run on laptops. And, uh, and that's also free software foundation endorsed. So it's a significant advancement for the ethics of society. And initially it would allow you to do the things that you require, such as making phone calls, encrypted, uh, calling, VoIP calling, chatting with, uh, with people, SMS messaging, web browser, email, right? That's the core of what we're going to deliver because this is a significant change that we have to make as an overall platform. And then we have so much momentum behind it that new applications are being written on a weekly basis. And so we get to start seeing more and more of those application suites being filled out. Then one of the key pieces that's been uh, missing in this overall, let's, you know, digital rights movement is the bundling of convenient services. So the issue with, uh, social media or um, cloud storage or VPN or chatting programs is that they all are provided from centralized big tech companies. And so they, uh, and there's no way to verify those claims. And what we need to do is have decentralized services, but decentralized is a really tough thing to, to make convenient. So with Liberty, what we're actually doing is creating a bundle where it's email, chat, social media, cloud storage, VPN, uh, that gets bundled up into one account that you have that's cross-platform. So you can still use it on Android or iOS, but of course it's gonna be running natively on the Librem 5 as well. And then what you what that allows is, is for you to have the ideal situation, which is a completely liberated technology stack from Purism, but you can still participate in society uh, by communicating to those who are on not liberated devices, such as Apple or Google devices. So the combination of what Purism's doing from Librem hardware, PureOS as operating system and software, and then Liberty as these ethical suite of services gets it where the convenience for anybody in society can just simply be to use our devices and, uh, and know that they're protected and respected. And I had a question about the phone because, you know, when I bought my Silent Circle black phone uh, some years ago, that was actually my first smartphone. I had been using a dumb phone, the Motorola Razr, for uh, a long time before that. And I, I didn't have to, uh, so much knowledge. And the first black phone didn't have a Google Play Store, which, you know, obviously would make it more secure. Uh, but then I found... Uh, very limited you know most most people that we know use the apple apple uh store the google play store uh and how would it function with the uh, the pure os system would you just have to kind of if, if you value security and privacy more just cold turkey go go off and, and use all use all of the liberty services and these apps that are being developed and just get used to that and stop using the, the Google Play? Or how does that work? I mean, if there are some apps that you like to use, but they're not available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so the 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 issue you bring up is obviously just this, this sort of like number of applications uh, issue. And so the the simplest answer is that initially we're delivering the five core things that people want. Uh, and everybody's going to have a single application that they would really like to see and it's not going to be available. And so in those cases, our 
what we have to do is we have to take a strict stance of we are changing the ecosystem, but what we're doing is we have such active development because there's so many people that want this, that those applications are coming. So uh, in the case of uh, if you if you were to pick a certain application, let's say it's like a uh, ride sharing application or a stargazing application, um, that in each of those cases, initially, you can use your web browser to uh, to then sign in to whatever service you'd like until that application becomes part of the pure OS store. So what we have is we have an app ecosystem. It has already many hundreds of applications in it. And there's a, the overall developer community is solving the number of applications issue because it's about momentum. So uh, we don't suspect that uh, we are going to solve everybody's possibility of what application they'd like to see. But what we have done is created the, the hardware and the software and the ecosystem that it accomplishes the majority of what they'd like to do as soon as the phones ship with a platform that gets them to what they need to do over time. So it's actually backing a movement than it is saying this is just a product that they could use today and they're, you know, and they're done with it. And backing that movement is important because we're talking about digital rights uh, from society. And I guess one of my final questions would be, uh, looking forward into the future, how hard do you think it will get to protect one's privacy in the future? Because it seems it'll continue to very much be a struggle as uh, technology develops and states and corporations and big tech gain more power. Are you more optimistic with the movement you're, you're building? Uh, and what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm very optimistic, but of course, that's also just in my nature. Um, there's, uh, but let me put a fine point on that. I am all for advancing technologies, and there's never a time where I think we should be trying to live in a yurt or, you know, back away from advancements with technology. What I'm looking at is saying the advancements with technology can be done morally. So every line of code being written can be considered to be, oh, this am I doing something that's moral and doing something that's good for society? And we can actually advance faster when we all participate off of values that we all uh, have. And so when we're talking about advancements with uh, uh, driverless cars, as an example, right? When we're writing advancements with driverless cars and artificial intelligence and all these other areas, that if we come at it from values we'd like to see in society, then everything will be great. When we look at it from having the current structure of big tech is that they need to maximize their shareholder value. And the number one way to maximize shareholder value is exploit society because there's no rules or regulations stopping them. So the way to solve the problem is not just what Purism's doing by putting out products that are respectful of society, but also to establish what those rules are that we would like to see, which are just value-based, such as saying we'd like to see the software all released under free software licenses so we, so we as society can verify that it is actually ethical. We'd like to see that there's data retention policies. So that way, if somebody's, uh, the, the authorities are taking a camera and scanning everybody's license plates, that that's only kept for a short period of time. It doesn't need to be kept permanently. 
And so establishing these sane rules, which we actually call purest standard and we have them written out, uh, is something that we're actually pushing with regulators as well. Just to let them know these are things that people do care about. These are values we'd like to see in digital society. And if we were to establish those values, then big tech would have to conform because those are rules and regulations that we as society would like to see. So Purism's hitting this on all fronts. We are creating products that are convenient, that solve the problem of these uh, digital rights. We are also educating policymakers and society about what those rights are and what are the concerns that they have around them. And we're trying to write and modify the existing rules and regulations to allow for um, the consideration of what we'd like to see in, in uh, digital rights for society. All right, uh, um, we'll, we'll end it there. And again, thanks Todd for your time and the entrepreneurial uh, initiative you've taken with Purism. Uh, I know it's not, not easy to build something like this, but you guys are advancing and it seems pretty quickly. Uh, and I hope you're very successful and uh, hopefully I'm a customer uh, in the near future. And I urge listeners to go out and check out these laptops. Uh, you have a desktop, I believe, and the cell phone is coming out in the spring. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me.